At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's pray. Jesus, there is no one else we want to go to. Lord, our hearts, our lives belong to you. Lord, we have seen, we have experienced, we have come to know your great love and affection for us. Lord, I pray that what might happen in this space is for us to grow in our awareness and understanding, that we might press deeper uh, into our understanding of your love and affection for us. So, Spirit of God, would you come and would you teach us? Would you reveal to us even more so the heart of Jesus for us? So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Every morning, I'm asked the exact same question by our four-year-old son, Tiago. The question is, are you staying here today? And that question's asked because, you know, four or five days out of the week, I, um, I walk over to the church campus and spend some time in the office. But I love the times, the days that he asks that question, are you staying here today? And I get to respond, yes. And he has a follow-up question. All day? And getting to respond, yes, Tiago, all day. We get to spend the day together today. And, and his response in, in, to that answer is just an explosion of joy. Yes, we get to play together all day today. Obviously something that I'm, I'm humbled by, and my heart is won over by that he just wants to spend the day together. That what fills his heart with joy and excitement is the idea of our family being able to just be able to hang out together. I look at John's description here at the end of chapter 6. That it he tells us here in verse 66 that, that the disciples began to desert Jesus. They desert him because they're not able to fully grasp or understand or, uh, yeah, grasp or understand what Jesus is revealing about himself, and they begin to desert him. And I want for us in this moment, as best we can, to stop and imagine what's happening in the heart of Jesus as that's taking place. How is he not impacted? How does, I, I mean, I would say that this is something that we would never be able to say this is insignificant for him to see his followers begin to desert him. And even by the fact that John uses that word desert, right? It, 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 it just again conveys and something that we see revealed over the, the gospel stories is, is that that Jesus is so often, he's, he's, he's abandoned, he's isolated, he's alone, he's deserted, he's rejected. 
as we sit and we imagine what might be happening in the heart of Christ. I, I think that something really significant is revealed in the words that come out of Jesus' mouth. He turns to the twelve and he asks, Are you going to leave also? Look, I, I think that, that, that Jesus asks us questions for our own sake, for what it might solidify in our own lives. That he asked the disciples, Are you going to leave also? Because by responding to that question, right, we see Peter's response where he says, Lord, to whom else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We know and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That there's something good that happens in Peter's own soul as he responds to that question. But I also think that it's something that gives us great insight into the heart of Jesus. He doesn't want us to leave him. He doesn't want us to go. And so on display in this question, I think is real insight into the emotions of Jesus. To be deserted and to turn to his friends and ask, are you going to leave? I know I've shared this story before. That quite a few years ago, I was listening to that song, I Can Only Imagine. And you know, it's just it's that... A well-known song that reflects on the fact, like, God, what would it be, what will it be like that day where I get to fully see you? What will my response be? I was listening to that song, and what actually happened in my own heart was a different question. Jesus, what will your response be? And what completely floored me in that moment, and I believe what the Holy Spirit was ministering in my own heart in that space, was to get insight into how much joy would feel, is going to fill Jesus' heart in that moment where where I get to fully see him. I, I, I imagine the story that Jesus tells of the prodigal son's father, while the prodigal son was still in the distance, just sprinting towards his son. You get insight into the heart of Jesus. That our love for him and our joy to be in his presence will always fail in comparison 
to his joy when we're in his presence. In his book, um, The Ragamuffin Gospel, uh, Brennan Manning tells us that there, there used to be a way that followers of Jesus would describe what it means uh, to be born again. Rather than using terms like, I was, we're saved or we're born again, one of their go-to uh, ways was to say, I have been seized by a great affection. And it's a proclamation from followers of Jesus to say what our lives are defined by what has radically changed our lives is that we have come to know Jesus' love for us. We have been seized by his great affection for us. Right? And over the pages of Scripture, we come to find that while we were yet sinners, he lays his life down for us even when we might be considered enemies of God. He pursues us, and his love is on display for us. And so he turns here in the end of John chapter 6 to the disciples and asks, are you going to leave also? And I want you to look at Peter's response. Lord, to whom else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That Peter's response is centered around relationship and it's centered around his growing relationship with Jesus. It's centered around a person. That it isn't, he isn't coming and saying, you know, here's the ideology or here's, you know, the, the religion that we, we have come to know. But, but Peter's response is to say, Jesus, it's, it's you. To whom else would we go? It's, it's you that we're after. It's in you that there's life. And, and so, look, amongst us, amongst our community, there are countless stories where we have grown in our awareness and understanding of Jesus' heart for us. And so I thought what would be good is to set aside um, the rest of this message to hear a couple of stories. So I've asked a couple of members of, of our community to share uh, their own personal reflection on those three questions, or those three responses that Peter gives to Jesus. You know, I've asked a couple of members to answer, how did you come to a place where you now say, there's no one else that I want to go to but Jesus? There is no one else that I want to pursue. And so, church, let's take some time and let's hear a couple of stories. 
Hi, this is Stan Don. I just wanted to share with you my personal experience of uh, knowing Jesus and when Jesus became the Holy One of God to me personally. Uh, I was raised in a Buddhist family and then uh, was converted to Catholicism at a young age. And I grew up knowing God more of like a concept or uh, stories. But then uh, in my high school teenage years, uh, I came to know Jesus personally. And that was uh, learning about being born again and having a personal relationship with Christ. So I had a, a personal uh, relationship, uh, but I also was kind of like, well, who is Jesus? Because I read the scriptures about him doing miracles and, and other things, but I really didn't experience that personally in my own life. Uh, and also just the pain, uh, you know, of, of family brokenness and things like that. But I remember coming to Mount Soledad Church and being involved with Life Group and um, especially the Selby's, uh, Herb and Helen Selby. And through just relationships with uh, connection and community, I came to experience the love of Jesus through others like I'd never had before. And over the years, uh, being able to go on missions trips and also to see uh, the power of Jesus manifested in, in healing and deliverance, I came to recognize that Jesus is really the Holy One of God, not just conceptually, but personally. And probably one of the most uh, powerful experiences I had was, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but uh, it was me and Jesus being together. And he came and... Um, just held me uh, and like just stroked my he head and just uh, hugged me to his chest. And it was like the most powerful experience and encounter I've ever had that Jesus was really, really real. Not just somebody in heaven, but like really there. So that was for me, I think, the ultimate experience. And just this last year, I had an opportunity to go to Brazil and uh, with a team and we prayed for some people and just had a testimony of a woman that gave birth to a baby boy in May. It was a miracle because she had been barren for a long time and had some problems um, internally. And so that's another uh, sign or for me verification that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Hey church, I'm Laura Clem. So where else would I go? I've definitely come back to that idea many times throughout my relationship with Christ. Um, usually when I am disappointed in myself or scared or stressed out in general. Um, but I think the first time that that really hit home for me was probably the summer after my junior year in high school. Um, so I've grown up, I mean, I've grown up Christian, like did the youth groups and the Bible studies and like knew knew what it was about, but I feel like I kind of boiled it down in my head to be good, be nice, and I pretty much was, and so that was kind of that for my faith. Um, but so junior year, or after junior year, I'm looking at like what I want to do with my life. <laughs> um, trying to think through colleges and 
triple i colleges you usually need to have a major and to decide a major you need to decide your career so basically i had to have my whole life planned um and i like to have a plan it's fine if the plan changes but i like there to be a plan and so i spend a lot of time on this um but as i was thinking through which colleges were most prestigious which jobs would be most respectable which careers would give the most financial stability each time i kind of got through to the end goal of my plan um i realized it wasn't quite what i wanted like okay yeah i get the dream job and then what i'm an expert in my field and then what i'm filthy rich and then what it's like is that is that it i mean is that all i'm going for um, so kind of gradually throughout that summer, I realized that the only real pursuit that would fulfill me and be meaningful enough would be pursuing Jesus. Um, I mean, a lot of those other things, I think, are on that journey, but uh, the only thing that would be it would be following Jesus and having a relationship with God. So there is nowhere else to go. Hello, Faith Community. My name is Liz, and I've served in several capacities here at Faith Community over the last 19 years. My first Jesus, You're My Only Hope moment came uh, when we were very young in the Lord, and our daughter was in a serious car accident. Uh, the car rolled over her and broke her back. Um, we at, reached the hospital and um, the doctors predicted that she would be paralyzed perhaps from the shoulders down. We had no insurance, we were fishermen and it was prohibitively expensive. Um, and so the bad news was just piling up for us. Um, and you know, we, we were in anguish, parents with a child that's so grievously wounded. And um, we found out from Alana that during the accident, she received the Lord. And so that was wonderful news, wonderful, wonderful news. Um, but still, we were, we were crying out, God, why, why is this happening? You know, what are we going to do? Um, and so we had a choice to uh, make God into what we wanted him to be uh, and blame him for what happened or to serve the God who saved us and trust him even when we didn't understand the whys or the hows. And so um, we've never regretted that because God proved himself faithful, uh, not only to Alana, but to us. Um, and one of the beginning signs of that was I walked into the ICU waiting room and there was a woman there who didn't know the Lord, and her son had been in a horrible um, motorcycle accident and was in a coma, and the doctors didn't know if or when he would recover or wake up. And I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I want you to go over and comfort her and pray for her. And I didn't know if I had it in me because I was, I was hurting so much. But thankfully, I did. And as I prayed for her and comforted her, God comforted me and gave me hope and gave me a deep sense of peace uh, knowing that whatever happened, whatever the circumstances, whatever the future held, that he would care for us and our family and 
be there with us and provide for us. And so we've never regretted that decision. And um, we chose, even when we don't understand, to say, Lord, where would we go? Good morning, faith community. This is Pastor Khalid, and I just wanted to take a few minutes and talk to you today about an experience that I had when I was 15. Um, I call it the Cadillac Invasion Experience. I wrote about it at um, Fuller, wrote about it in a paper, and I had to title it, so I call it the Cadillac Invasion Experience. And what happened was um, my choir in my church, my youth choir, we, we were going to sing this song for the church anniversary called The Praise Song by Walt Whitman and the, Ch and the Soul Children. And a friend of mine and I took the song, turned it into a duet, and the adults loved it. And so uh, one day after choir rehearsal, my mom and I were driving home. I was in the passenger seat and she was driving. And she just turned to me and said, Khalid, sing that song. And so I started singing it. And I got through about one or two, maybe three lines. And, um, and I just started to weep and cry and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it just felt like he flooded the car with his presence. And um, I braced myself between the armrest and the window. And I tried to get through the rest of the song and I couldn't because I was I was just weeping and my mom with all the wisdom in the world she reached over and she held my hand and she said son that's the Holy Spirit and I was 15 so I don't know what I would have thought had she not had the wisdom enough to say that to me in the midst of the moment and so that moment really marked me for him for worship and for um, living my life in the presence of God. It really just um, showed me that there was nothing like him. There's no high, there's no experience, there's no food, there's no drug that can compare to the presence of the Holy Spirit, his presence. And so um, it ruined me for everything else, for anything else and ruined me in, in a good way. And um, I've had subsequent experiences like that since then, but that was the first one. And um, I really I really know that it was that experience that showed me Jesus is the one. And it was that experience that kept me throughout my high school years, throughout uh, my college years, when um, a guy came to me on the corner of um, one of the streets at my college and tried to talk me out of Jesus, tried to talk me out of God. I internally, I just knew, no, you can't talk me out of my relationship with this one that I've experienced over and over and over again. And so I pray that experience for my kids. I pray that they have Cadillac invasion experiences, that they would have Emmaus Road encounters. I pray it every night for my kids almost. And I know that, that is, that's the thing that will keep them. It's the love of worship, the love of him, the love of the word. But when they really, truly experience him, when we really, truly experience him, it's that thing that keeps us solid, knowing him, believing him, trusting him, and not being talked out of a relationship with him. It was that thing that kept me. It branded me. It marked me for him. And it kind of, it just took me to a new level. It made me 
um, it kind of sanctified me and separated me is what I, what I really want to say. It separated me for his use. And um, I, I thank God every day for that experience. I wrote a song about it and I pray for my kids every day. And I pray you have and will have continually experiences like that. Thanks. One of the things that I have found woven through the stories that were shared is that it's, it's the culmination of events that have taken place. It is the ongoing revelation of Jesus and his love for us that puts us in a place of saying there is no one else that I would go to. And I, and I tie that to what we see spoken of by Peter, where he responds, we have believed and we have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. That it is this ongoing revelation of who, of time spent with Jesus that convinces us there is no one else to go to. And I just imagine with, with the disciples, with the 12 specifically, that it was the ongoing interaction with Jesus that slowly won over their hearts. That yes, there are these really big and monumental moments that take place that, that, that become a catalytic moment for them to begin to follow Jesus, but they're following Jesus and their ongoing time spent with him is what solidifies in their hearts. He has the words of eternal life. And I, and I compare that with those disciples that began to flee or desert Jesus. That they couldn't quite grasp or understand who he was revealing himself to be. But I imagine if they spent more time with him, listening to his teachings, seeing his miracles, seeing him moved with compassion for those around him, that it would win over their hearts, that they would be seized by a great affection. I would say that my encouragement for us uh, this week and, and ongoing is don't discount the small moments that we have with Jesus. Don't discount the, the importance of, I believe, really establishing rhythms and, and practices and, and stepping into things like spiritual disciplines because it is that ongoing, even seemingly insignificant moments that begin to grow an awareness uh, of Jesus' love for us. Church, I would encourage you, press in this week. Spend, spend time returning to Jesus' presence. Spend time with him. Open up, your, open up the scriptures. Spend some time in prayer. Sit in silence and solitude. Turn on some worship music and, and find yourselves in a space where you realize and recognize, or where we would remember 
that it is the ongoing process of spending time with Jesus that I believe will solidify in our hearts. There is no one else we want to go to.